It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. That weekly newsletter has uh, the uh, the snapshot of all of the upcoming guests for the week, as well as the most recent podcast, the most recent op-eds, and then those go over to the website in our house there. I'd highly recommend you take the time to Listen to the podcast that was in last week's newsletter, and that is the the podcast with uh, Dr. and Professor John Eastman, uh, Trump's attorney. Uh, it goes through, uh, just it really explains election irregularities, the meeting between Trump and Pence on January 4, January 6, what happened there. Uh, ultimately, Professor Eastman has been canceled by the University of Colorado Boulder, even though he's serving as the uh, has been serving as the professor, visiting professor of conservative thought and policy. And what they first did is they stripped him of his classes and uh, basically uh, said that he could not do anything, uh, present anything officially. Uh, and so he's actually doing his classes, or uh, he had some different classes he was going to be doing there, and he's doing those outside the University of Colorado at Boulder, and it's a really important podcast so that you really understand what's going on out there. So be sure and check that out. I so appreciate each and every one of you for joining me and for listening. Uh, and uh, we're working diligently to bring truth and clarity to you for all of these issues. You have a purpose today uh, and int- uh, live with intention. We are made for this time. And my friend, my heart is troubled today. As I look at not only what is happening at the national level, but at the state level, and we'll be talking about some of those things uh, here with uh, Rachel Gable regarding our ag- agricultural industry in the third and fourth segment. Uh, Alita Yu is running for Colorado State GOP vice chair. She'll tell us why she's doing that. Uh, Karen Levine will talk with her here in just a little bit about what's going on in the whole housing market. And of course, Jason McBride. At the bottom of the hour, I so appreciate this team that I get to work with, and that is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie. Happy Thursday to you, producer Steve. Happy Thursday to you, and uh, all I can think of as you're you're kind of lining all this up is your heart is heavy, and I understand that, but uh, there is a, a really twisted logic here going down. The Dems... The left understand that they only have a limited amount of time to move here before the midterm. So they're they're packing it in at both the national and state level. So it's not so much unexpected. It isn't. And what I found interesting, the bill that we lowlighted yesterday was, uh, not, um, well, basically, uh, it's uh, kind of regulating um, social media. Well, let, me, you- let me get it. Do you know that you're taking on a, kind of a Rush Limbaugh uh, tactic here 
when you say you're going to low light something versus highlight. And uh, <laughs> what was the other thing that just came to mind? Um, oh, uh, the, they're not progressives. They're the regressive. So you, you, yep. you're carrying on that tradition. Okay, well, we're going to go to work on that. Okay, yesterday was the Bill 132, the G- Digital Communications Regulation, and they're, they're basically saying that you cannot even question the in- integrity of our elections. And uh, we, it seems like we, as a country, would want to make sure that we are assuring every, every legal voter that, um, that we have election integrity. Of course, you look at this H.R. 1 uh, that was just passed last night, at the in uh, the house in congress and that is this whole uh, voter i don't want to call voter rights i don't want to call that and what did you say steve the name of that is is like for the people or something act or there is a video this morning and it shows nancy and her followers coming down the steps you know it's it's so packaged uh, they're all holding a little two inch by three inch american flag and waving it and it almost you know i mean she she reminds me of the kindergarten teacher leading, leading her kids to do something. And they come down to the podium at the bottom of the steps. And sure enough, across the front of the podium, it says, for the people. So, yes, this, that phrase has been tied to H.R. 1. And we're going to, we'll actually delve into it more. But one of the big things is, is, is they say they want to expand voters' uh, access to voting. Well, ultimately, what that means is, is that there's going to be more ways to cheat. And we realize that there's real uh, election irregularities with these mail-in ballots. Colorado was one of the first to adopt it. And uh, let's see, this is one of the headlines that Patty had in Maricopa County. Uh, they're trying to get to, to take a look at 2.1 uh, million ballots there. And you would think that if everybody wanted election integrity, that they would just hand those over immediately. But they've had to go to court to do that. And uh, we've seen these different states that were battleground states where almost on every avenue where where we've really tried to get to what happened there, that not only Democrats, but Republicans also have stood in the way of uh, checking this out. And, And we're even seeing this in Colorado. I was very disappointed to see that there are very like establishment Republicans that have basically at uh, patting people on the head and saying there was nothing to see here in Colorado, when in essence I think that there's things to check out here in Colorado as well. But we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Um, I do appreciate each and every one of you that are contributing to keep our independent voice on the air. We are we are actually addressing these issues as no one else is here in Colorado, and I really appreciate your support. And we were we're going to continue to search for truth and clarity. And one other show that I have that I really would recommend that you check that out because it is, it, it takes us it takes us out of just where we are right now, Steve, and it's our America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, and it it, it uh, we check out our ancestry, if you will, our history, and uh, there's been such an effort, uh, a movement to tap down on our history, but we've got a really special interview this. This next Sunday, it's on 3 to 4 p.m. on KLZ 560 and KLZ 100.7. And it's an interview with Peter Neeb. And I actually had interviewed his sister, Hulda Bachman Neeb. She's written a very important book, uh, Perils and Pearls. But when she was three years old, Peter was just a toddler. And they're originally from the Netherlands, uh, living in uh, Indonesia. And uh, 
Peter and his sister and his mother were captured by the Japanese during World War II and put into Japanese um, prisoner of war camp or a concentration camp. And he spent uh, really the early th- first three years, uh, I think he was maybe almost one, so the uh, the first three of his four years in a concentration camp. I don't think anybody ever realized that. And then he went on, he's back in the Netherlands then, he has a love for Indonesia and went back many times. But he's back in the Netherlands and he's a mayor and burgermeister of a small village and uh, many of the uh, World War II veterans that served with the Timberwolves uh, and I think it was the uh, 104th Infantry Division. Uh, what happened then after the war is many of these soldiers went back to Europe to these battlefields, and he got to know many of these guys, and he's going to talk about that. It's powerful, Steve. It's funny. Uh, the timing uh, works out. I've been, my wife and I have been pursuing all kinds of different things that are that we're finding, uh, but last night's offering was the Battle of the Bulge and uh, D-Day as well. So, oh, okay. yeah, these these things, you watch them and you just get drawn into what was it like as it was happening. It's it's one thing to look at it now, you know, 60, 70 years later and, you know, try to get a feel for it. But I, the feel I get for it right away was what was it like for these guys? I know. And they were really just kids. Uh, this was uh, young men, probably, I mean, we know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old that um, they went both to the, the Pacific Theater and the European Theater, and they stood against tyr- tyranny and totalitarianism. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at what is happening at the National, at, at Congress, and also what's happening here in Colorado. And we are in a tyrannical state right now as, uh, as we look at this. And, and Polis has actually these pol- these policies this the reaction and dis- disruption to the covid-19 Wuhan China virus has put Colorado in the bottom 9 as far as state economies and we are in the top 3 as far as unemployment and it is because of policy that that is occurring and one of the things I recently had Karen Levine on, uh, she was co-hosting the show, and we went through the eight predictions for the world in 2030 by the World Economic Forum. And there are several things there. And when we talk with Rachel in the third and fourth segment, uh, basically they said in this, the one of their goals is that we're going to eat less meat. Well, does that not play right into Governor Polis's meat out day on March 20th? But also the fact that we won't have private property. This is another thing that um, we won't have private property. And of course, home ownership is one of the keys to private property rights and creating wealth. And I uh, actually drove up to Longmont last night and I'm astounded by the a number of apartments that are being built. And I remember when it used to be that they were building condos so that people actually had this opportunity to get into a condo and uh, maybe it was either a starter or if somebody wanted to downsize, but get into a condo so that instead of just throwing money away on rent, you were starting to create wealth. But again, here in Colorado, there's a policy out there that has really prevented that. And I know Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance, she serves on the National Board of the Association of Realtors. She is continually working towards uh, protecting these private property rights. Karen Levine, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. It is astounding to me, Karen, what is happening out there. And Colorado 
right now has such a um, tight inventory on homes. And in fact, I just got my little packet from you yesterday with the, the great little notepad, as well as you had uh, kind of low-lighted again what is happening with this uh, tight market here, which is making it difficult for people to buy homes. Tell us what's going on. Well, we continue to see low inventory, and builders can't keep up with demand, and the cost of lumber and steel continues to go up. And so I think we're going to see some changes in the landscape of uh, how builders sell properties here um, over these next months. Typically, they will sell a property from dirt, and you can then choose um, many of your upgrades, interior finishes, some structural things. And we're hearing that they may not put those homes on the market until they're maybe 60, 90 days out from completion because of controlling pricing and their margins. People have a feeling that home builders make tons of money and a typical return on a new home is about 6 to 8%. So when these costs are getting so inflated, they're going to have to take control of that, which means that's going to pull back on our inventory for a period of time until those homes get to a stage in construction where builders are comfortable uh, putting pricing on those homes. So it's an interesting environment, but it is March, and typically the time when people start thinking about moving, making housing changes, getting their homes on the market, And I would just encourage them, if they are making those considerations about the potential of selling, that I'm a great resource for them to reach out to and check out what their home value uh, is currently, what they can anticipate if they were to sell, and how we can, in fact, get them into uh, different housing. And uh, and you mentioned new bills just a minute ago, and it's important really now – more than ever, that people, if they're considering a new build, have you on their side of the table as well. And that just involves uh, contacting you and having you go to the the meeting with them when they're starting to negotiate on these new bills. And with what you just described, it's more important than ever, Karen Levine. It is that the consumer needs to understand when they walk into that new home community, into that model home complex, the person who greets them works for the builder and is not going to advocate for them. Their goal is to put a builder product under contract at the price that they have been directed to do so. And with having your own agent on your side, you at least have somebody looking out for your rights, looking out uh, for your best benefit and advocating on your behalf. Well, how can people reach you, Karen Levine, uh, whether or not it's a new build or buying or selling their home? What's the best number to reach you? Uh, The best way to reach me is 303-877-7516. And I am happy to take your questions, your calls. And I think you're a better consumer if you're knowledgeable and have the right information. You think? I think that's an excellent idea, Karen Levine. And thank you. You not only sponsor the Kim Munson Show, but also America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson. And you're a valued partner. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. And before we go to break, a couple of uh, my other great partners is uh, one of them is Castlegate Knife and Tool, located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. And uh, the proper tool, the proper knife uh, in your toolkit 
makes the job go easier. It, you're more successful. And having the right tools is so important. Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place to check out. They have uh, blades from uh, the uh, the best blade makers from throughout the world. So whether or not you're a collector or a chef or a sportsman, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. And you can find that at castlegate.com. That's castlegate.com. And then also Hooters Restaurants, again, a great a great partner of mine. And uh, they also, both of both of these uh, great um, businesses, sponsor not only the Kim Munson Show, but America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson. And you can check out all of the specials for Hooters Restaurants at my website. Just go to the Sponsor tab and then click on that, and then uh, all the different sponsors come up, and there's a landing page there. But they have happy hour specials, to-go specials, party pack, lunch specials, and we've been locked down for so long. People are so excited to get together, and Hooters Wings is a, a, a great a great menu to, to get together over. So check that to check out my website. That's KimMunson.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Alita Yu. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for my uh, weekly newsletter there. You'll get all kinds of great information, as well as our most recent podcasts, our most recent op-eds. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And I guess that's a very appropriate song. They're walking on the fight inside of me because what I see coming out of both Washington, D.C. and down here at the State House in Colorado is it is a direct assault upon the American experiment, the American idea. And um, we really need to, to go to work to fight to protect that. On the line with me is Alita Yu. She is running for uh, Colorado State GOP vice chair. Alita Yu, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. Uh, why are you putting your hat in the ring for Colorado State GOP vice chair? That's a great question. You know, like myself and everyone else in our country, 75 million of us, we were very upset with the way the elections went in 2020. And um, I'm a retired educator, uh, and uh, I just felt that I have a skill set during my work at Rutgers University in higher education. And when I retired in 2013, I became very involved in Colorado politics. And uh, when um, I um, decided to run is because I was not happy with the direction in which our country was going. And I am the type of person that if I see something, I do have no right to complain about it unless I'm willing to do something about it. And that's why I'm running. Colorado is, I think, in a very difficult position right now, Alita. I'm concerned about election integrity uh, throughout the country. 
but particularly here in Colorado. And uh, what's your thoughts about that? That happens to be the number one issue on my platform, Kim. Um, You know, Newsmax did a survey, and they found that a little over 80% of Republicans believe there were irregularities that took place in the 2020 election, and a little over 20% of uh, Democrats believe that as well. So election integrity is a nonpartisan issue. And uh, your readers are probably familiar with the fact that Judicial Watch had sued Colorado and the Secretary of State on October 5th, 2020, to force our state to clean up its voter rolls. I mean, unfortunately, we are uh, one that has the highest in terms of the nation of having um, more people registered to vote than there are people in the populations in 40 out of 60 counties uh, throughout uh, Colorado. So that's something for us to look at seriously. And people who say there's no evidence, I say, well, let's take a look at Peter Navarro's three-volume report, because there's a lot of evidence there. It's just whether or not you choose to look at it. If we don't have free and fair elections, Alita, then we really don't have the United States of America anymore. And I am shocked that not only here in Colorado, but also on the national level. We just mentioned that uh, last night, H.R. 1, that big, uh, I don't want to call it voter rights, because what it really is doing is it is diluting the vote of everyday hardworking Coloradans, everyday hardworking Americans. And it's really, a, I, would, I think I should call it the, um, the American Voter Dilution Act is what it really is. So not only, I think, have we had election irregularities, now they're trying to legalize it. And that is a big problem. And I have to tell you, I'm frustrated when I see Republicans that are not standing up for these American values. And I have heard that that uh, one of the jobs of uh, the Colorado GOP is to get Republicans elected. However, when Republicans actually are pushing forward um, Democrat regressive policies, that's a real problem. How how can you address that? I think, first of all, Republicans need to have a stronger backbone. I think, for the most part, uh, we tend to be very polite individuals, and I think this is a time that uh, we need to take a few lessons from Donald Trump because, if anything, he's teaching us how to fight, how to fight back and to be warriors and fighters in this because you're absolutely right, Kim. A lot of people, because of this, uh, there are Republicans who are leaving our party, and that's very disturbing because they're thinking, why should I even bother voting uh, when, when it's, it appears to be stacked against them? So we need to, that's all the re- more reason why we need to be able to look at election integrity and not uh, take no for an answer. And until we research it, frankly, there's a great deal of, of trust that needs to be restored uh, with the people, the population. And, and as I said, both Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated, this is something that affects all of us, not only in the state of Colorado, but throughout the country. And I did mention um, four out of 64 counties, not four out of 60. I did want to correct that um, because we and, and of the 64 counties, okay. two counties. Uh, do not use uh, a particular voting machine. Um, we use uh, Douglas County. We use Clear Ballot as well as Garfield co- um, County as well. Okay, hey, Alita, I want to go back to you. You said uh, four out of 64 counties would have more people registered than they actually have people that could vote. Is that correct? Four? 
Exactly, exactly. That's, Which, that's one of the bases for uh, judicial watchers, um, um, basis for the, their lawsuit. And this was uh, data they collected in 2019, and hence, therefore, and wi- the lawsuit. Which four counties is it? Do you the remember? four counties in terms of, uh, no, I don't remember. I, I need to, that, that's something that we need to. I, you know, know what, we're going to, yeah, we're going to get on that. The reason I ask that is because if, in fact, it is the uh, most populous counties, uh, when I had Holly Kaysen on talking about election integrity, she said that the radical regressives had targeted Colorado because of our demographics. Because if, in fact, you can take four to five of these metro counties, you own the state, you have the state, which means that's where we really need to fight. One other quick question, Alita, and that is, is there is a schism uh, between the uh, Colorado Republican establishment and uh, everybody else, all of the grassroots. And as you mentioned, many people are leaving the Republican Party. And I don't see, I, I'm not seeing any action on trying to repair that schism. What's what's your comment on that? Uh, I think that's a valid point. As I'm traveling across Colorado, meeting with county chairs and volunteers and uh, bonus members. I mean, that's one of the universal comments that people from the grassroots are not feel like they're not being heard. And I think the, the party needs to take a more collaborative approach in communicating with counties. Um, and I think we need to, you know, we're a team here. It's not a top-down model because we know top-down models don't work. And we need to be able to listen to what the um our constituents are telling us, especially the grassroots, because if we, if we don't, if we ignore what the grassroots are telling us, we have no party, um, because we're the ones who are in the field, who are making telephone calls, dropping off literature, getting out the vote. So there needs to be a closer collaborative relationship between the party and the counties, and we need to be listening to what the counties are telling us. And that's the other um, reason um, in terms of why I'm, I'm also running because one of my second issues deals with developing regional coalitions among the 64 counties and having a closer relationship with the state party. And, and we need to be able to provide resources and assistance to these counties and financial support as well for, uh, to elect uh, successful Republican county, uh, candidates at all levels of government. So I think that is a valid suggestion because it's something that if you hear that in more than one county and that seems to be the case, I think this is something that we need to really take a look at and work on very, very strongly. Okay, Alita Yu, thank you for stepping forward. How can people get more information about you? Well, um, they can go to my Facebook page and I do have an email blast if they go to Send me an email at A as in Apple, M as in Mary, H as in Harry, Y-O-U at gmail.com. I will put you on my email blast. And um, I thank you, Kim, for all the great work that you're doing. And I thank your um, uh, listeners for, for really caring about Colorado because we have to turn the state around. Frankly, all of us are, are getting sick and tired of Republicans losing, and we need to Cowboy up, as they say, and we need to start taking the believing action steps to change the state around. So thank you. Okay. Alita Yu, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Okay. And Jason McBride, Senior VP, Presidential Wealth Management. Jason, I I got into this whole thing this morning just because my heart has been heavy with 
it, it just this onslaught of all of this terrible legislation, not only in Colorado, but at the state house. But I actually, I had been looking because we're going to have Rachel Gable on and, um, she's, uh, really keeps on top of rural issues. She lives in rural Colorado. So I was looking for hard work comments or uh, quotes. And I have one at the end of the show, but I found Ann Landers. Did you ever write Ann Landers by any chance? Did I write Ann Landers? Did you write to oh, Ann Landers ever to ask? Uh, yeah. Not, no. And if I had, I certainly wouldn't admit it on the air. <laughs> Well, Ann Landers was born in 1918 in Sioux City, Iowa, and uh, she was married to Jules Letterer. She died on uh, June 22, 2002, and she was a very popular newspaper advice columnist, and and I remember reading her. But I I thought this was a, a great little levity, and that is, she said, one out of four people in this country are mentally unbalanced. And think of your three closest friends. If they're okay, then you're the one. (laughs) <laughs> Any thoughts on that, we Jason? We have less Democrats back then. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. What? Uh, let's jump over here on the market. What happened yesterday? We've been you've been watching the volume, and that is a very important indicator. Yeah, yesterday was <clears throat> a pretty rough day all around, Kim. Uh, the Dow was down about 121, which that's not a, a big drop. For the Dow, but uh, I think the volume picked up a little bit. It's the NASDAQ that's really looking problematic, and that's where, you know, a lot of the leading stocks have been. So, I mean, we're seeing some rotation uh, out of some of those big high flyers. So the air seems to be starting to come out of the balloon there, so to speak. Uh, but NASDAQ uh, was down 360 points yesterday also on an increase in volume from the day before uh it broke back below its 50-day moving average and closed right at the low for the day so i mean this level it's at kim right here at about 13,000 i mean it's come down to there one two this will be the third time uh so if it can't hold this level uh you know recently it came down to around maybe 12,005 126 at one point uh but be if it doesn't hold the 126 and the 13 uh there could be more trouble there uh but it does look like again you're seeing money rotate out of some of these extremely uh, extended high-flying tech stocks that a lot, a lot of them don't even have any earnings yet, and they're rotating into blue chips and oil and gas and value. Uh, the problem is, Kim, is some of the, the those stocks are pretty highly valued right now too, so it might somewhat be a rotation out of the frying pan and into the fire. Wow. And as you were mentioning this, I was just thinking about your risk tolerance. I think your tummy can tell you a lot about your risk tolerance. And as you're talking about this, I could feel my tummy kind of going, Ugh. Uh, people need to sit down and assess their portfolio, also their risk tolerance. And you've been in this business a long time, Jason, and you've seen ups and downs. And so you've got the experience to really help people assess those things. How can people reach you? Well, easiest way, Kim, is just give us a call, 303-694-1600. That's 303-694-1600. And, yes, we are open for face-to-face meetings uh, just like the good old days, let's call it. I love it. That's great. Jason, we'll talk to you, to you tomorrow. 
Have a great show, Kim. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Rachel Rachel Gable. She is the co-editor of The Fence Post, which is a publication uh, trying to keep an eye on what's happening in rural Colorado. And there is a terrible, terrible bill. It's Senate Bill 21087. It's called Agriculture Workers' Rights. And as I'm reading through it, what it is going to do to our ag industry is really troubling. And I think it really plays into this uh, eight predictions for the world in 2030 by the World Economic Forum. And one of them is is that they want to say that we're going to be eating less meat. And uh, here we have uh, Governor Polis uh, issuing a proclamation that uh, March 20th will be meat out day. I would say get out there and get your bacon for breakfast and your chicken for lunch and your steaks for dinner because we need to make sure that uh, it is a big eat meat day on March 20th. But we'll talk with Rachel Gable when we come right back. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. Those Merle Haggard songs tell you they they're they're very timely for what's going on out there on the line with me is rachel gable she's the co-editor of the fence post and she is really keeping an eye on what is happening in rural colorado and uh our agricultural business in colorado is a, a big contributor to our economy rachel gable welcome to the show hi kim thanks for having me before we get into this paul harvey had uh done a, a tremendous piece and god made a farmer and in celebration of you being on the show i thought let's just play that again because it says a lot it's a little over a minute steve if you'd play that i'd greatly appreciate it and on the eighth day god looked down on his planned paradise and said i need a caretaker so god made a farmer God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay, wire, feed sacks, and shoe scraps 
who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody who'd bail a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing. Who would laugh, and then sigh, and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. Oh, Rachel, I just had to play that in in honor of you being on the show today. I, I It brings tears to my eyes every time I hear it because I'm from a farming and ranching community. And what he's talking about is absolutely true. Oh, absolutely. He he's a he's a legend and he's a treasure. So with that, I know the number of hours that farmers and ranchers put in to put food on the table for not only Americans, but for people throughout the world. And it it is a mission, certainly making a living, but it's also a mission to, I mean, what is the best way to fight hunger? And that is to grow crops and and raise, uh, raise livestock, right? Isn't that probably the best way to fight hunger, I would think? I would sure think so. Um, You know, a nation that can feed itself can defend itself against enemies as well and it's the ability to feed ourselves and we have the most affordable most abundant safest food supply in the world and the ability to to make that a truth and to um to to make sure that we're funding these small communities and that we're uh, contributing so much to the state economy and making sure that everyone has access to food uh I can't imagine another way to to make a state successful. Well, and it has been astonishing to me. I was thinking about our interview today, Rachel, and what we have seen with uh, Governor Polis and this legislature, we've seen an, an assault on the oil and gas industry. And, of course, uh, reliable, efficient, abundant, and affordable fuel sources – helps us thrive and prosper it it powers our lives but there's been a real assault against fossil fuels then we've seen these lockdowns which uh apparently we uh, the restaurant industry has lost over three billion dollars over the last year and again this is because of public policy then uh this new bill that is being sponsored it's senate bill 21087 it's called agricultural workers rights the sponsors are senator jesse danielson and representatives uh, McCormick and Car- Caraveo, I believe it is. This, as I'm looking through this, we know that farmers work many times seven days a week, and it's sun up to sundown, if not before. But this is going. This is where government gets in between uh, the farmer or the rancher and the people that are working for them. And it looks to me like it's going to be a real problem for our farming and ranching communities. It is, and, and maybe not for the same reasons that people might think. Um, 
Senator Jesse Danielson actually comes from a farming background, but unfortunately, none of the stakeholders, uh, you know, the fruit and vegetable growers, the uh, Colorado Livestock Association, Colorado Cattlemen Association, Colorado Farm Bureau, none of those folks uh, had a had a hand in pinning this bill. It was written and it was given to them on a Friday afternoon and then introduced early the next week. So they were able to review it. But to say that they had a hand in writing it is untrue. And I think a lot of people think, well, they just don't want to have to pay more than minimum wage. And I think in speaking to all of these stakeholder groups and knowing personally what we do on our operation and what our neighbors do, I don't think anyone is paying minimum wage. I don't think you can get labor at minimum wage in an ag um, in an ag so are sort you, of job. Are you paying paying more than minimum wage? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I think the vast majority of ag workers are paid more than minimum wage. If you look at the peach industry, for example, which is a, a big industry here in Colorado, I spoke to Bruce Talbot, who is a, a peach grower there in Palisade, and he's really a go-to for me for, for ag labor. He would have been a great one for Danielson to reach out to as she was writing this. But um, he brings in H-2A workers from other countries. And those H-2A workers are expensive. It is, it's a difficult process. It's a lengthy process. And it's, they're coming here to work so they can go back home. So to limit them to 40-hour weeks is not, it's not reasonable in agriculture where it's not a 9-to-5, 8-to-5 job. And it's not reasonable for those guys because they want to come here. They want to get the harvest done, make as much money as they can, and then go back. And, and they're being treated incredibly well. They're the same folks that are coming back to these same orchards every year. So I think that the argument that they're not being treated well isn't a good one. And I think well, one of the big things – sorry – well, I was just going to say, now think about this. This is people that are coming in legally, uh, and they are working the harvest, and and they are making a free choice to come here to work that harvest because they are going to make money for them and their families and then go back to their countries. And uh, now the Colorado State Legislature wants to get in the middle of that, and they must not understand, for, for example, when harvest happens, you have all kinds of other thing, other factors. There could be weather that might be coming in. Maybe there's that big hailstorm that it might be coming through the orchards or something, and or there's there's a big storm that's predicted. And, and instead of limiting the time that people could work, because this bill says you can't work more than twelve hours a day, well, what if somebody wants to choose to work more more hours that day to try to get that harvest in? They can make money doing that. Government doesn't have that's not that shouldn't be the proper role of government, Rachel. No. And agriculture is not one of those businesses where we can say, okay, guys, we're going to work every day. We're going to start at eight. We're going to be done at five. It doesn't work that way. Things would be left in the field. It would raise the price of food. And, and it's just a waste. You know, people want, consumers want agriculture to be efficient and to be, to put this abundant, safe, affordable food supply. And then they do things like this that cut our legs out from under us. So it's very difficult uh, to, <laughs> to react to things like this when it just doesn't work that way. It's not a bank. It's not a, it's not a boutique. It's a farm. 
And when it has to be done, it has to be done. Right. I can't you tell know, one of our cows that's calving. I'm sorry. I can't come out and help you until 8 o'clock now because I'm off the clock. <laughs> exactly. And I think I think some of the hardest workers in the world are dairy farmers because I don't think mm-hmm. people realize that you don't have one day of vacation. Those cows need to be milked on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, and there is and again, it's not an eight to five thing. It's like, okay, we'll be in there and, and milk you at eight o'clock. It has to occur every day and it's not an it's not an eight hour day. Rachel, let's go to break. When we come back, uh this whole meat out day I'm very concerned about it. There's some people that that uh, have said, well, gosh, is it really that big deal? But it is because it's trying to move what's called the Overton window, trying to move public opinion towards something. And that's why we need to, to uh, really shed light on that as well. So we'll be right back with Rachel Gable, who is the co-editor of The Fence Post. Stay tuned. Controlling your own destiny. There are a lot of unknowns on the horizon with the new administration. Predovich and Company is here to help. Trusted professionals for all your bookkeeping, tax planning, and accounting needs. Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company. They've been helping her for years. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company works with clients from anywhere in the United States. Give them a call at 303-791-3000 to put Predovich and Company to work for you. Call 303-791-3000 today. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Yes, we do need to get to some happy trails here in uh, in Colorado and in the United States of America and with these um, radical regressives that are just jamming through all kinds of terrible legislation. One of these is this Senate Bill 21087, Agricultural Workers' Rights. What we have in America, the rights of America are these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And one of the ways to pursue happiness is to be able to work. And uh, and it's to be able to negotiate with between the worker and the person giving the job uh, a, a contract on where they come together and determine the value, how much the the worker is going to work, what they'll be paid, and instead of and now government wants to get in the middle of the, all that in the agricultural business. And uh, what I see ultimately is it's going to make it more difficult for our farmers and ranchers. When that happens, that means that there's going to be uh, increased cost, a food cost. We have been so blessed with uh, an abundance of food and and really affordable food here in America. When when this whole Wuhan China virus reaction disruption occurred, and we started to see empty shelves at our grocery stores, Rachel Gable. I think people all of a sudden got scared and they, they didn't, they always thought that there just would be these full shelves there. And what we're seeing is public policy 
can actually empty shelves. We've seen it in other countries that have been very prosperous. And we think it can't happen here in America. But this kind of stuff, the Senate Bill 21087, this makes it very difficult for our farmers and ranchers, Rachel. It does. It does. I think one of the things that's uh, concerning about the Ag Labor Bill also is that it allows uh, access onto private property. So that could mean um, union reps, because this does also uh, allow uh, unionized workers to unionize and collective bargaining. Uh, but it allows people to come on to employee housing. That could be a label, a labor organization representative. It could be a drug dealer. But now these these farmers have no control over who's coming onto the property that they own specifically for the purpose of housing their employees. Well, let's just let's just play that out. You start you start having that happen in one place on a farm. I mean, do people in the city want people just to become be able to come into their house? I don't think so. That is not something that we want to have get started here at all, Rachel. No. No, it's a it's a slippery slope. That is for sure. Let's jump over here to Governor Polis and this whole meet out day. When I saw that and connecting the dots from there to what the World Economic Forum, you know, all, all these big mucky mucks that meet in Davos each year. And they came out with these. I mean, they say this. There's eight predictions for the world in 2030. And uh, what they want to do is they said all products will become services. That's number one. There will be a global price on carbon. Now, once again, fossil fuels, affordable, efficient, abundant, and reliable energy allows us to power our lives. And it frees people in third, third world countries. It frees women from having to gather firewood and dung to uh, cook over and to heat their homes. And it, it uh, frees them up from having to go uh, find water. And I can't believe that these mucky mucks here in uh, at Davos want to get to, you know, make that more expensive. But another thing is, this is number five. They said we're going to be eating less meat. Is that's not really the proper role of government? Meat is a an excellent um, a, a protein for your diet, and the idea that um, government, the World Economic Forum. Wants us to eat less meat. It's first of all none of their none of their business. But then you're seeing it play out with uh, like Governor Polis issuing a proclamation for a meat out day, and a lot of people say, "Oh, it's it's innocuous. It doesn't matter. It does matter because it's trying to change the narrative." Uh, Rachel, what's your thoughts on that? Sure, and and it, it is a proclamation. It's it's a non-binding edict. But I think the thing. I see a lot of people on Facebook kind of blowing up about this and saying, well, what, don't you guys grow vegetables too? You you have something against the vegetable farmers? And that's not it at all. We grow those too. But the proclamation language in here is suggesting that um, the livestock industry is just horrible for the climate, horrible for people's health, and horrible for the environment, which is just, the proclamation language is just wrought with misinformation. And that's the problem. As far as Polis putting this out there, if it stood alone, it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. He's, you know, he's trying to play it down saying, oh gosh, we sign thousands of these things every year. Well, fine. But (laughs) that's on top of um, some of the anti 
ag anti-livestock things that he's done in the past. I thought one of the most interesting things on the Senate floor, uh, Senator Jerry Sonnenberg spoke about this and said, you know, this is making our state look like we are not ag friendly. And that's affecting the National Western Stock Show. There are major breed associations that are saying, you know what, we'll just go to Oklahoma City. There are exhibitors that come here and spend 10 grand for three or four days to be here to exhibit that are saying, you know what, never mind, we'll go to the Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City, which is a replacement show. So that perception of Colorado being anti-agriculture is costing perhaps one of the, the most uh, rich traditions in our in our state with the National Western Stock Show, in addition to throwing a $7 billion industry under the bus. It is astounding, and I had read your piece on that, and my understanding, Rachel, is that when the National Western Stock Show didn't happen this year, that, in fact, Oklahoma said, hey, we're going to start this, uh, I, I guess, what do they call it, the Cattlemen's uh, Association Congress. or... Congress, Cattlemen's Congress. And it was highly successful. And I think that it's, I'm not sure Colorado's going to get a number of those exhibitors back. Yeah, which is sad because Stock Show is is an amazing tradition. And there's a lot of business that's done down there in the yards. It's not just the llama show on the hill and the, the popcorn and the rodeo and the cotton candy. That helps certainly pay and it drives that economically but the business that's done down there in the yards where people are coming from other countries and from all over the u.s to look at look at bulls to look at cattle to buy to sell and to to make those connections that's that's irreplaceable well and the other thing denver voters should be very concerned about is they passed a uh, a multi-million dollar um, tax increase to update the national western stock show and if we don't have the national or the national western complex if we don't have the stock show uh, th- they're still going to have to pay those taxes and uh yeah. and once again it's because of public policy that is pushing our ag business around and again our our agricultural business in colorado we've got just a, about a minute left rachel is it is what our fourth largest industry here in colorado second it's our second. It is second. Ag is the second largest industry in the state. Oh, my gosh. What's your final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners today, Rachel? Well, I, I think it's so important for folks to realize that there's so many extremists that are pushing things through legislation-wise right now. The agriculture absolutely depends on that movable middle. Those reasonable folks who are removed from production agriculture but remember having mom's pot roast on Sunday or remember going out to grandpa's farm or just appreciate a safe and abundant food supply. And they like steak or they like pork or they whatever, potatoes. And for those people to stand in the gap for agriculture and to stand up and say, no, we don't want these extremists to be pushing this through. We want to protect this huge industry because it supports all of these small rural communities, it supports our state, and it supports really good families. Rachel Gable, let's stay in touch on this because this is very, very important. I so thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. 
And thinking of farmers and ranchers, some of the hardest working people out there, I have Ann Landers quote. She said, opportunities are usually disguised as hard work, so most people don't recognize them. My friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Young, like a new moon rising, fierce through the rain and lightning, wandering out into this great unknown. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell.